Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Rewind, the podcast that rewatches, reviews, and responds to every movie, show, and one-shot in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm Al Rodriguez. And I'm Tony Camarena. And today we are talking about Season 1, Episode 8 of Jessica Jones, a.k.a. WWJD? Which originally aired on November 20th, 2015. Which we all know stands for, When Will Jeremiah Dance? The main question of this whole show. Yeah. I've been waiting for Jeremiah to, to dance. I've been waiting for Jeremiah to show up as a character. Yep. When will it happen? Yep. I actually wait for that in most shows. So I'm glad they're actually um, going through this question head on. <laughs> yeah, it's good. And that's one of the reasons I like Marvel stuff. You know, they're, they're very uh, abrupt with some of the things that they do. It's nice. As usual, here's our IMDb summary. Jessica experiences a strange homecoming courtesy of Kilgrave. Hogarth's conflict with her estranged wife reaches a tipping point. Like, tipping off a subway. But that happened last episode. <laughs> Alright. And, here's a slightly longer, but more in-depth summary of a small part of this episode. We begin with Jessica returning to her childhood home and confronting Kilgrave. He's doing his best to be as respectful as a murdering psychopath can be. She sees that Kilgrave redecorated the house to be exactly like it was when Jessica was a child, down to the original furniture and photographs of her family. During the tour of the home, Trish calls and Jessica admits the facts that she is with Kilgrave. Afterward, Kilgrave gives her a nice purple dress as a gift, which she doesn't seem to appreciate. And then she takes a nap. <clears throat> Alright, so I gotta say, Jessica really took this one somewhat well. Considering I would have, <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, she especially after the end of uh, last week's episode with the whole police station thing, she knows that he definitely has plans. And so, if she just goes, you know, murder Killmonger, uh, immediately, yeah, Killgrave. Damn, I knew I knew it sounded wrong when I was saying it. Uh, <laughs> if she goes all kill Kilgrave uh, immediately, then something's going to happen, unfortunately. And, uh, and she also still is holding back because she wants to save Hope, right? That's the the whole thing pushing her to not kill him. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, he's being very nice by not mind controlling her. I mean, she's got to give him some points for that. Although he is kind of blackmailing her and controlling her in other ways, but not mind controlling her. Yeah, he's going very far out of his way, <laughs> trying to change his speech patterns, um, which I guess is taking a lot of work for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, at, right when this episode starts, we get like a flashback of the day her family left the house for the last time. And it's, it's actually a common thing you see in a lot of shows where you see the adult version or the modern version of the character in the flashback with in their memories. But it definitely reminded me of Barf. Uh, Tony Stark's uh, hologram thing from Civil War. <laughs> where where he looks a lot younger and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, But more that he's in his own memories. It doesn't seem to work as well for Jessica as it works for Tony. I don't even know if it works for Tony. He says it's to get rid of guilt from the past. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean... it. It might help him a little bit more. I think he said, what, $611 million to make yeah. that thing? Yeah. So maybe that money 
going into it was a little bit more helpful considering that he and Jessica are also probably similar level of alcoholics. And so I'm assuming that part of the alcohol is helping her well, I think, relive those memories. I don't know. I'm just making things up. Now. Yeah. I don't know. I think comics, Tony might've been similar to a level alcoholic, but definitely not movie. Tony. He has one breakdown when he's going to die. <laughs> and then he doesn't really show his alcoholism at any other times. Jessica, as we established last episode, had slept with a bottle in her hand in an elevator the previous night. <laughs> That's true. We have no idea how many people got in the elevator and left during that time. Yeah. Although, I mean, first of all, it's New York. Second of all, Malcolm's there. So it's probably used to just having people in the elevator. That's true. Yeah. Anyway. Um... We find out that uh, Kilgrave has some servants that he's actually paying, but uh, it's probably not that nice, as we find out later. <laughs> um, yeah, they they seem to be uh, uh, what was it, voluntary because what that the chef guy was saying he was making twice as much as before. Yeah, and he got fired because he was an alcoholic. Kilgrave probably won't even let him drink anymore, so that's nice. Yeah. So, you know, something good. Yeah. Um, we never find out why the maid's there. He might have taken her from a happy life. That's true. Yeah, she was she was pretty quiet. Yeah. I do have some problems about like the facts of him recreating the home. Um I he says he found the realtor who was selling the house. Or who sold the house originally and got pictures of Jessica's home. Uh-huh. Usually they'll take um, personal decorations off the walls before like the Jessica's posters and the family photographs before they take pictures of it um, to sell. So I, and I find it weird that the filter took such detailed photos, even with a mic uh, magnifying glass, he's able to see all the stuff in Jessica's room and around the house. Yeah, I was wondering, like, as far as the year or the time frame goes, like, what year would it have been when those pictures were taken? And, and mainly to figure out what's the technology, like, what would the standard technology be for taking those pictures? Well, like, even if they were, uh, like, even if they did have all of that personal stuff. They have a Game Boy Color, which would put it in the late 90s or early 2000s. Okay. That so as far as over the game. yeah, okay, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I was looking that up. I was trying to figure out if it was uh, if if there was a Game Boy Color that was yellow that wasn't the Pikachu edition. Well, I mean, are we sure that wasn't? I didn't think we ever saw the front. It might have been the Pikachu edition. That's true, but I did look it up, and there was a yellow one that was not a Pikachu edition. So it it could have been either way. And what year did that come out? I did not look. I, I was just curious about the... If oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I should have done more research on this, but nope, that's where I stopped. <laughs> you you should have drifted your eyes maybe a little to the right, and it probably would have said the year. Probably, yeah, I'm sure. Um, I think if I looked a little bit harder, I probably could have bought one on eBay, but oh, um, yeah. I'm good. I don't really need it. I still have mine and my sister's uh, Game Boy Colors in my closet. Still work. Oh, I wonder if my my mom might have my old one like stowed away somewhere. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> anyway. So Jessica gets a purple dress that she shreds. Um 
I really wish they leaned into the Kilgrave's purple, like more purple man thing more. Like he was an obsessive like Sacramento Kings fan. He loved Barney. He only ate grapes. That type of obsession with purple. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it used to be a royal color. Um, he sees himself as royalty. I think that part fits. Uh, the other ones, yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, them, that, I actually wonder why they went with purple in the comics. Because he's like, his skin is purple in the comics. Uh, don't know why. <laughs> Other than that's like the chemicals he fell into to become purple man. Hmm. Well, you know, you, you just choose a color. I'm sure an artist was like, yeah, I, I like this. This will look nice. And then they just went with it. We don't have a lot of purple people, you know, other than Thanos and King of the Conqueror and Barney. I don't think Barney's in the MCU. <laughs> Either way, you know, that's that amount of villains only fit on one hand. So, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I meant to bring this up earlier in the episode when we were talking about it, but I forgot. So I'm going to bring it up now since we're still kind of in the same general area. Um, when uh, when Jessica was being um, searched, uh, Kilgrave specifically says, you won't mind if her, if Hank searches you. Uh, and she says, no, she she responds with I mind. So. Um, so that's like the first time, I think, where uh, we see Kilgrave tell her something and uh, she doesn't listen to him. No, that's true. Although he is saying that he's trying not to control her, which is a conscious effort. So, yeah, I... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, so it proves that it's not involuntary. It's probably easier to control people, but it's not involuntary. His powers. Okay, so you're you're thinking that he has to basically turn the power on or off sort of deal. Well, yeah, I mean, he does that with the guy who he buys the house from. Yeah, but he had to change his wording. Like, he was struggling to get through sentences when he was buying the house. True. And and that's why I'm wondering. Like, I thought that this was a completely involuntary thing. He just says it, and then people listen. Yeah. I mean... We gotta be very careful of how we talk about this. But... (laughs) That's true. Don't we? We do want to uh, avoid any spoilers that happen later in the season. But I'm just wanted to point this out now, especially because I forget some of the things that happen later in the season too, with uh, talking about powers and how things work and all that stuff. True. Huh. I mean, it's just something to keep an eye on in the future. All right. You ready to move on to the next part? Yeah. Uh, I don't have anything else here. All right. <clears throat> Kilgrave is waiting for Jessica to come down uh, from her room for dinner. When she finally comes down, she enjoys a, a liquid dinner. They discuss Reva's murder, and when Kilgrave re- refuses to take responsibility for the death of Jess- for the death, Jessica shatters the bottle. This triggers Kilgrave's failsafe. So, um, we start off with like Kilgrave very impatiently waiting for Jessica because <laughs> he's not used to waiting on people. Yeah. And I think and complaining his, about it too. Yeah, in his mind, he sees this as a Beauty and the Beast type thing. You know, eventually she'll come my way if I just like I be polite. <laughs> I see he's going the Beauty and the Beast route. Yeah, it's like um, 
Stockholm Syndrome will kick in eventually. Yeah. <laughs> um, was I the only one? Or should I be more impressed or um, or saddened by how quickly Jessica finishes her, that ball of wine? <laughs> um, yeah, I was wondering the same thing because she, let's see, she walks in and she immediately finishes what's in the wine glass, and then she pulls out the water glass so that way she can put more in there. And she finishes that. Does she have more after that? She she has two whole water glasses full, and then thir- fills the third one up. But I don't think she drinks it. Okay, so that's probably the entire bottle, is what you're thinking. Well, it is because she says she needs another bottle, and then when she shatters it, I don't think there is wine on the wall. <laughs> um, I mean, you can be both impressed and worried for someone. I mean. I bet I could do the same thing. I bet I could chug a whole bottle of wine. I will not enjoy the after effects at all, but I'm sure I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. She seemed completely fine by the end of the evening. Um, or for a little bit of the, the rest of the evening. Um, I mean, yeah. What what happens next happens next, which we'll get talking to a little bit. But she also goes to sleep immediately after a multi-hour nap. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we also get uh, her failsafe, which is uh, having the chef and the maid uh, kill themselves. If anything loud breaks, I don't know what, <laughs> what the... Um, the thing is, because they don't automatically kill themselves, which means he didn't say if something happens, kill yourself. So if Jessica pulled out a knife and stabbed him in the chest, would she would they have walked out with the knives to their neck but not killed themselves yet? Um, I mean, there, there's probably something he said. So I'm under the impression that he spent months like planning all of this stuff, right? Like because he was gone for months. And so he was probably thinking about all this stuff and like, well, what would I have to do? to keep her around. And so he needs the, uh, um, like he probably has the, the script of, okay, if she's loud and threatening or breaking things, then you need to like threaten to kill yourself by putting a knife up there to your neck. Uh, if she attacks me or kills me or something, then they have to kill themselves. I'm assuming it was like an escalation sort of deal. Yeah. Which he has to refresh every 10 to, or eight to 10 hours also. Yeah. <laughs> It's a, I'm sure it's a lot of work, like the amount of contingency plans that he has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now we actually, we get into a little discussion about his powers. Because he's talking, he won't take responsibility. He says um, it was Jessica's choice to kill Riva because she only said, take care of her. He only said, take care of her. She chose to kill him. So she could have, she had the choice to interpret it the way she wanted. He's saying. I think that is what he's saying, but I don't know. I I kind of disagree with this because mm-hmm. we, we had this conversation a little bit earlier in the season when we in the, the episode when we first meet Simpson, where uh, Kilgrave implies that Simpson should jump off of the building. But he doesn't tell him to do that. He says... Um, like leave here or leave me alone. No, no officer, not this way. Go that way. And he points to the ledge. Yeah, 
and, and so like he could climb down maybe i, I don't know if that's an option um but he immediately you, you went can with also the walk out that door and walk the long way around the penthouse to the other exit yeah if that's possible yes that could have worked yeah um i think it is what Killrave intends that's how his powers work but he uses it as like his own way to you know wash his hands of it by saying oh i didn't say it exactly that way those people chose to do it yeah and and that's probably what it is i mean it's so i'll see like you know movies or tv shows where you have like the the boss person tell the underlings to take care of that person what they mean is to kill that person and what the underlings know that means is to kill them but i mean i wouldn't know that right like <laughs> you you kind of have to know the the language to understand that if like i i feel like if Kilgrave told me that i would like take care of them like like nurse their wounds get them some you know, buy, water buy them a bottle of water something yeah, exactly yeah Get some tea, put a blanket over them. It's probably a little cold out, right? Yeah, like, sure. <laughs> um, I think I've asked you before. You've never watched Justified, right? I have not. Okay, so I'm going to ruin one of the scenes um, or one of the episodes because I'm assuming you're never going to watch it. I'm never so, going to watch it. Be, okay. be ready to get some hate tweets. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> so uh, there was an episode where uh, bad guy with henchmen goes to uh, basically threaten someone and try to get like a protection money sort of deal. And so the, uh, eventually the, the Mark, the target was like, okay, yeah, here you go. Here's the, the money I owe you, blah, 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 or whatever. And so then the, the boss guy says to the henchman, uh, Hey, take care of him. Now the new, uh, the, the henchman is a new guy. So he's like, Oh, obviously that means kill him. So he, he kills him. But no, apparently that's not what he meant. Boss man meant uh, something like, like, take the gun away from him and like go something or other. But yeah. Yeah, you've got to be specific with the new recruits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I exactly. So I, I'm wondering if uh, there, there's a whole reason that I brought up the story. I'm wondering if Kilgrave, in his mind, thinks that everyone just kind of knows what he means and that's the closest that they get to the free will like he tells them something and then they interpret it but maybe he doesn't know how his powers work yeah i think it's more willful ignorance about how his power work don't or knowing about how his powers work but yeah i get it i also it could also be a little bit of free will but you interpret it in the way that you think Kilgrave would have Kilgrave would approve the most of. So if you think Kilgrave's a terrible person who's been controlling you for months on end and making you do terrible things, you assume take care of her would be kill her. Yeah, that would make sense. Hmm. All right. I'm done with this section. Is there anything else you want to talk about here? <laughs> um No, no, that's that's it. Um I mean, the only thing I want to say is, um, I mean, we kind of said it, but we just didn't say it directly, that Kilgrave definitely doesn't see himself as a villain. Like, he sees himself as the product of things, and because he does some bad things, it's not it's not horrible. 
He's yeah. not a bad guy. Well, he doesn't do any bad things. He just, you know, suggests stuff, and people just happen to do it. <laughs> exactly. That's why he has never killed anyone. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, I always go back to the uh, the um, Once Upon a Time uh, example that I use, and I think I've said it before on the show. Like, the every villain on that TV show... Um, became a villain because of one bad event you know their, their whole life they were an okay person but they were wronged or something and they you know they never saw themselves as the bad guy of their storyline except that one who was definitely evil <laughs> um well i mean that's have you ever read or seen the killing joke the batman story yeah i read it a long time ago i don't really remember much about it it's been so long but yeah well it's all about joker became the joker because of one bad day it's just he had one really crappy day and that's how he became the joker and his plan was to make others live a one really bad day was it something along those lines well he was what he did was he tried to turn uh commissioner gordon into a person like himself by you know doing terrible 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 things uh mm-hmm. Yeah, to him. But it's like, no, people are are always good. I mean, that's the moral of the story, anyway. There are people uh, who are always good. <laughs> but, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. There are probably people who... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no idea. Um, neither of us are trained psychologists. Psychiatrists? Uh, psychologists. Psychiatrists are like therapists, and psychologists study the mind. Gotcha. Okay. Neither of us are trained in in, in either of those, to be honest. Yeah. We we are trained in things, but things that almost never come up in this podcast. (laughs) Anyway. All right. Next section? Yeah, that's it for me. Yep. All right. After dinner, Jessica heads back up to her room and notices her brother's room is open. Simpson is in the room. He tries to save Jessica, thinking she is under Kilgore's control. Simpson tells her he put a bomb in the basement to kill Kilgrave, but Jessica won't let Kilgrave die without getting Hope out of prison. Jessica takes Simpson's phone and tells Kilgrave about the bomb. So we get a kind of a silent fight, which she's drunk on almost the entire bottle of wine. This is a lot of self-control from Jessica. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And for a silent fight, it's still kind of loud, considering how little noise there is throughout the rest of the house. And they were they were throwing each other against walls. I mean, a Kilgrave hears it, but she says she tripped. <clears throat> and then it takes them a very long time to come up there and check. Luckily for them. Yes, that's, that's true. It did take a while. <laughs> so here's a question I have about Jessica's motivations. Um, how many people's lives... Do Kilgrave have to ruin before she sees Hope as, like, a forgivable loss? Like, collateral damage? Because, yeah, she won't get Hope out of prison if Kilgrave dies right now. But all this terrible stuff stops. (laughs) Yeah, I was wondering something along those lines. Um, And it was mainly, how much does Hope mean to her? And why is she trying so much? Like, I, I understand that Jessica is a hero, right? I mean, she's doing so much just to try and save hope and all this stuff. And and last week's episode, she was going to put herself in prison 
just to try and catch Kilgrave, right? So she's she's doing all this good stuff, but eventually, you know, it's it's the the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Or maybe she just doesn't believe in that and she says, No, the hope needs my help, so I need to do everything I can to help her. Mm-hmm. And maybe there isn't a limit. Or maybe there is, but it's one of those like last ditch effort sort of things. Yeah. Um Later, and a little bit later, Kilgrave says that he has a selective conscience, that he cares about Jessica, and it seems like Jessica only cares about, like, Hope and Trish, pretty much. So maybe they're more similar. Yeah, maybe. I I have nothing else to say. I'm just, yeah, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm also surprised that... Kildred doesn't push her harder on how she knew where the bomb was. Yeah, I was wondering why he didn't ask too much. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So, uh, next section. Jessica awakes the next morning after a nightmare of her family blaming her for their death. Kilgrave and Jessica discusses Kilgrave's lack of conscience and the motivation for killing Hope's parents. They are interrupted by a nosy and very rude neighbor. So I completely forgot about that dream, and oh boy, was that creepy. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I watched the episode yesterday, and I already forgot about it. And um, yeah, just a reminder. Like, oh, God. All right. That that ends badly. Mm-hmm. All right. And also, it motivates her, because right after that dream, she sees the people in the neighborhood who she's putting in danger by doing this. Because, like, all these people could be controlled by Kilgrave against her will. That's true. And I guess we don't know what time it is, but I mean, he's probably at this point in the day, Kilgrave has probably gone through his uh, his list, his script of telling everyone, you know, what their job is or whatever for the day for the next 10 hours. True. Yeah, he's got to get up early. Tell all those people stuff before it wears off. Would they wake up and it wears off? Uh huh. So, um, Kilgrave, she asks Kilgrave why he killed the parents. And he says uh, to get back at her, pretty much. To get back to Jessica. So I'm like, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you ask? And then, um, yeah. So let's talk about Mrs. DeLuca. Okay. <laughs> the neighbor. <laughs> what the hell, woman? <laughs> <laughs> so my only assumption... Uh-huh. Is and and I know it happens at the end of the episode, but we see right at the end of the episode that she is um, controlled by Kilgrave. That could have been a plant. Huh? He he could have told her to to do that and bring up the story and say those things. Yeah, that's true. Because he's as like, see, I can make this elderly, this rude person leave or hurt themselves. Don't you like that power? <laughs> I, I see he's still going with the uh, try to impress scenario. Well, yeah, <laughs> the the beast um, being the beast uh, theory. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, that's that's what I was assuming uh, during that. I actually forgot the whole thing at the end of the episode that happens. I just kind of assumed that the direct neighbors he's probably already talked to and all that stuff. Mm hmm. Because at this point, I mean, this is what, episode eight of the season? Like, we, every time we forget 
that all he has to do is talk to someone off camera and they're doing whatever like that has happened so many times already. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. So you're assuming everyone in the neighborhood's under his control. Um, I mean, everyone that we see pretty much. Yeah. I mean, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. That also means he has to get up even earlier to go through the script and then make sure he does it in the middle of the day to make sure it lasts the yeah. full day. That kind of thing. Well, I'm, I'm assuming. Let's see. Uh, breakfast. Lunch. No, maybe not. like. The, the last command he gives everyone before going to sleep is in eight hours. Wake me up and you all come to my house. And then he just tells them what they need to do. And then they go back to their day. Okay, so they show up for it. Yeah. And he just kind of I mean, goes through. Okay. All right, yeah. <laughs> that makes up or that makes sense. They'll they'll show up and they'll just be in line in mm-hmm. front out the door and he'll just like kind of like a king, like he's sitting down um and then they're all just coming up to him and and he gives them their task. I could see that. He's sitting down on a on a lazy boy kind of like a throne. Yeah. I mean, okay. on in his purple robes and his purple crown. He keeps for just these occasions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, let's move on to the next section. Uh, okay. Jessica tells Kilgrave about how it uh, felt to be raped and controlled by him. He tries to gain sympathy by showing her what was on the mysterious thumb drive. It shows the experiments his parents put him through to give him his powers. So... We start off with, like, poor Kilgrave. He never knows if people want to do things because they like him or because he's mind-controlling him. Such a hard life. Yeah, and sometimes he just says things to someone and he doesn't even know what they actually do. Yeah, he told a man to screw himself. I am terrified of that possibility. (laughs) Yeah, Uh (laughs) uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, uh, he pulls out the mysterious yellow thumb drive that Reva died for, and, uh, he puts in the, uh, he shows her the experiments his parents did on him. Uh, first we find out his real name is Kevin, not Zebediah, which is the character's name in the comics, which, disappointment. But we also see that um, he like he says there were tests, lobotomies, spinal fluid extractions, and these somehow caused mind control powers. Yeah, a lot of that seems to be um, extractions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, nothing added. Yeah, uh-huh. It's a little weird there. Okay. Well, um, this goes to a headcanon theory I have. That actually connects to the twins from Age of Ultron. Okay. Well, I think may the twins and um, Kilgrave may all be Inhumans, who instead of Terragenesis were put in extreme like, um, extreme pain or torture, and then their uh, their abilities just manifested because of that, and it was naturally inside them, or possibly mutants, which would clue into something that may happen in the future so i was just about to say um because because you were talking about mutants um like in the daredevil movie where 
what's his name was explaining how mutants get their powers like they have to go through you know extreme stuff and then the power shows up yeah daredevil movie oh sorry uh i don't know why i said daredevil uh deadpool oh yeah yeah exactly yeah okay so Um, yeah i mean the twins mm -hmm. they were the only survivors of the experiments so i'm assuming the experiments were like terrible and torturous and then something like this was happening to Kilgrave. So maybe it manifested to protect themselves. Okay. I like where you're going with that. It, it could be, um, I mean, it could also just be that maybe with the twins in uh, Age of Ultron, um, they were unlocked through some other means. I mean, they didn't, maybe they didn't have to be tortured because they, you know, they had the, the cube and everything and they had other alien technology. So maybe there was something else. Or maybe it's exactly what you said. They were tortured and they were just inhumans. Well, I mean, the reason I think they were tortured is because they're the only survivors of the experiments. They say that. I can't remember if they say that in S.H.I.E.L.D. or if they say that in Age of Ultron. But one of those they say they're the only survivors. So I'm assuming they were in harm. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Yeah. So it's, uh, at a minimum, very dangerous experiments. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, all right. Or they just didn't have good care for things, like someone caught a cold, but they didn't have medicine, and it just kept going, and eventually it just got worse and worse. Um, Yeah, that's likely. mm -hmm. They're traveling around the world, and one of the Hydra agents, you know, wasn't inoculated for something, and then now everyone got smallpox. That's how that works, right? (laughs) Yes. That's why all the Native Americans had superpowers. Little known fact. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get an MCU movie about that in the future. Um, they tried. Uh, Neil Gaiman went to th- this story came out a couple of weeks ago. Neil Gaiman went to Marvel and got rejected with his pitch for uh, Marvel 1602, which is a miniseries that took place in 1602 America. Oh. Yeah, which is like um, all the uh, Avengers or Marvel characters are like just a version of themselves are in 1602. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've never read it. I know Captain America's like the present Captain America that went to the past and decided to fight for the Native Americans. And then everyone else is like a version of themselves from 1602. It's weird. But <laughs> okay, yeah, that that definitely would have been weird. Um, it it's got to be especially weird for Cap in that scenario. Like, I mean, yes, given his life, how it's gone, he's like, okay, this is a little weird. But at this point, it's just different from the stuff. But it's it it's got to be weird to go back in time and see basically the same thing: a version of Thor, a version of Hulk. Like, huh? Okay. <clears throat> Like, huh. Anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my um my reaction to Kilgrave and the torture and stuff is the same reaction I have with most of these villains, actually. Cool murder cool motive, still murder. Or in this case, rape and mind control. And also murder, yes. Yeah, also no, mm-hmm. he didn't murder anybody. Potato <laughs> tomato. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Anything else with this section? Uh, nope, nope. I think I'm I'm good. I don't have much else. All right. The next part is real short. 
Trish finds Simpson, and he wants her to call it quits in the search for Kilgrave. But Trish still wants to help. So the reason I bring this up is just to show that Simpson is demoralized for like 15 minutes. He thinks Trish and he can't do anything because uh, a girl beat him up, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his, his fragile masculinity has been shattered. <laughs> oh, man, gotta grow up. <laughs> she has powers. Yeah. <laughs> you can at least tell yourself something. Well, that's that's actually what he says. Is uh, He says to her, and there's us and there's them. And they're like in a different league than he is. Or than he and Trish are. But really, I think he knew about superpowers like a few days ago. I think it was really Jessica beating him up that got got under his skin. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's exactly what it would, would have been. I mean, if he was beaten up by someone else who didn't have powers like May or Black Widow or Mockingbird, he would have made up some other excuse. Yeah, yeah. Um. Also, also, I mean, Hawkeye and uh, Black Widow are well-known normal people who fight against supervillains. So that's not really a valid excuse. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Are they that well known? I guess they're they're no. There's probably a Wikipedia page for them in that universe. So okay, all right. I'm sure. I mean, they're not. They're not super famous. <laughs> it's like that's true. It's like um, Ant Man says in Civil War. It's like, hey, I know you too. You're great, but he doesn't know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like they're they're not famous enough where they can still go out go to a restaurant or the grocery store but they're famous enough that they can use that fame to their advantage if they need be for example to become a guest on dancing with the stars yes which i'm sure hawkeye if retirement went the way hawkeye wanted to go that's what he would be doing okay if, if we think of the snap and all that stuff that's what we would be doing. <laughs> Dancing with the stars. Okay. Yeah. America's got talent. He'd be shooting his bows at things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's, that's gotta be hard having like those competition shows with people got superpowers. I mean, Oh yeah. When Dazzler enters the, um, the, the MCU, she'll be on America's got talent because she can make music or make, what she do? She like turns music into lasers. <laughs> I really don't remember, but yeah, I, I think that's her power. Okay. Um. Oh yeah. No. I mean, I've I've thought about this for years. Like, like what happens at like a circus event, right? Where, uh, you know, people go. Sorry. Uh, where people go to a circus to like play games, you know, carnival games sort of deal, and then they're they're able to just hit everything perfectly, that kind of deal, or. Yeah, you know, like Quicksilver went to the Quicksilver went to the circus and just like put the the rings on the pegs and went back before anyone noticed. Yeah, exactly. There, there's a bunch of people around there. They're not always looking at the one spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that center one right there where you get the good prize. The the MCU has broken everything. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I'm sure a lot of those things just don't exist because of that like you can't always protect against it or or maybe it's one of those things where you have to like you get a special type of insurance for it 
because maybe they they say no mutants or no powered people can do this thing and then if they can prove it yeah, it's a whole thing okay yeah <laughs> i mean it's like damage control we see in spider-man homecoming uh whose whole job is to clean up after a superpower thing so there has to be insurance for that oh yeah uh, definitely i mean wasn't there there was a sitcom a shortly lived sitcom called powerless did you ever watch that i did i enjoyed that show i enjoyed that show too but for those who don't know it's about an, was an insurance company in the dc universe no it was a a company, company. It, it was a a subsidiary of wayne enterprises and they were still just a generic business who made products but they would make a lot of products that were oddly useful things that Batman was able to use. <laughs> uh, I wish that show was better. No, it was pretty good. I wish more people watched that show. I agree. Like, it was exactly what you expect it to be. And it was it was fun. It was lighthearted. It was enjoyable. Yeah. Hmm. All, right. All right. You wanted some... Uh, let's talk about my favorite part of the episode coming on up. Okay. In In the next section... Oh, okay. Well, then I'll wait. Oh, okay. or you want? Is there anything else in this section you want to talk about? No, no, no. Okay, I'm just <laughs> impatient now. I want to talk about whatever it is your favorite part of the episode is. I just have to wait now for for you to give the intro, and then we talk about it and all of that. So, uh huh. Carry on. Now, whatever now you're, you're ready, just Tony. Time. Oh, I guess I should stop. Yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll hold myself back now. Go ahead, whenever <laughs> you're ready. All right. Jessica realizes that no one taught Kilgrave to be good. They see a hostage situation on TV. She takes them there to be a hero. Together, they use their powers to save the family and turn the hostage over to the police, or hostage taker over to the police. Then they return to the house. When they return to the house, Kilgrave is overjoyed in being a hero. He asks Jessica how many people he has to save to balance his moral scales back to zero. Jessica tells him it doesn't work that way, and then realizes that she would have to stay with him uh, to make sure he doesn't kill people in a misguided quest to become a hero. Jessica goes for a walk. So my, I've discovered my favorite trope in Marvel movies is when two people with two different types of moral codes uh, have to work together. <laughs> like in this situation, when Loki and Thor work together, um, I'm not going to spoil it, but like there's this, in Daredevil season two and Luke Cage season two, they have this. And even when Cap and Winter Soldier uh, are trying to escape in Civil War, <laughs> where Cap keeps trying to save the people and Bucky's just trying to get out. Those are <laughs> like some of my favorite parts of the MCU, <laughs> including this. Those are fun times because that's when you really see them. Like the characters are still holding back to a degree, but they're still like fighting very hard for their end goal. Mm hmm. So yeah, so um, obviously this is my favorite part for that part, and there's a good Star Wars reference in here, so it's all good. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so I I like that Jessica tried to do this. I'm a little curious why she did it though. Like, what was the point? Was it was that the goal to maybe make him think, oh, maybe I can be a good guy, or like what? Well, why? Tony, <laughs> do, do you have any idea? I, I feel like, yes, maybe he could be a good guy. Um, It doesn't occur to her until afterwards that she, he has no idea how to be a good guy. Um, Especially since he 
he says he genuinely think thought that having the guilt guy blow his own head off was a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Now, to be fair, um, that is something that the Punisher would do. Who th- he uh, kind of thinks he himself is a good guy. I know he does think of himself also as a bad guy to a degree, but there's, you know, that that yin yang sort of concept with him. Um, He's a, he has a moral code, just a very, it's a much further to the murdery side. <laughs> that's true. Still a uh, better code than Kilgrave, though, in, in that regard. True. Um, yeah. But no, I don't know if better, maybe equal. <laughs> because Kilgrave would have blown the guy's head off, and so would have Punisher. That's true. I guess I, I was I was thinking uh, overall moral compass. Oh, well, yeah. Like, yeah. Kilgrave's overall moral compass is still horrible, horrible. Well, you got to think. Um, he's never used his moral compass before. He literally took it out of the box in this uh, in this episode. So, <laughs> That's so true. You've got to say him trying to be moral for the first time was that hostage situation. So that's the only time you can compare him to Punisher. That's true. Yeah, because we've only seen that. And it only went that well because Jessica was there the entire time. Yeah. Literally holding his hand. Well, not literally. Figuratively holding his hand and telling him what to do. Um, they're lucky that didn't take more than two hours. I... Um, when he leaves, he tells the chef and the maid to remove skin from each other's faces if they're not back in two hours. I, if it were me, I would be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, can you, it might be two and a half. <laughs> two and a half hours. Yeah, it, <laughs> that was my first thought, too. Like, as soon as he says something that crazy, like, what, what, if, what if there's traffic? Well, hold on. I mean, he didn't know where they were going. Um... From what we could tell, they were going into the city, into Manhattan. I have no idea where they actually are right now, how long it takes to get there. Um, what time of the day is it? I mean, there's more traffic in the evening and morning than, uh, you know, like noon or something, right? Yeah. Although it's in the neighborhood. I feel like they walked there. That's what I feel. I think. They- oh, OK. I thought they drove, but oh, all right, I, I guess. If- if there's a- all right. Um. Yeah, so this is why uh, Sith don't use mind control powers because it would make them too powerful. <laughs> <laughs> I think we had this discussion a while ago. Yeah, you're you're right, um, and I just never noticed that they never do. But you're you're right because if they have no moral compass to stop them from doing stuff, yeah, they would be uh, too too powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Kilgrave, you know, he literally quotes. Obi-Wan Kenobi, when he uses the mind control power in the uh, episode four. Uh, and I'm very proud of Jessica. She got that reference. And he says he's like Obi-Wan Kenobi, but cooler. <laughs> uh. So this, um, he tells the hostage and the criminal not to tell anyone about them. But like we said, in 10 hours, they're going to remember what happened and probably tell on him. So... Yeah, so it's it's really just that inconsistency with the power usage that we're really confused on. Um, unless this has always been how this works. I mean, he, he immediately goes to it in these two times, this week and last week. So 
he he must have used this like for years, decades, maybe however long it he's been using his powers. Mm-hmm. Like that just yeah. might actually be how it works. If he tells someone to forget or to not do that thing, as long as it's not a super crazy thing, like in two days go kill this person, then they're probably just going to keep on doing it. True. And is everyone in those support groups people who weren't told to forget about him? That's a good point. It's easy to forget things. I mean, how often do we forget to rate these episodes? Um, way more. How often do we forget what happened in these episodes? <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I forget. I was legitimately asking you because I forgot. But anyway. Uh, oh, one and two. Oh, all right. Let's talk about math. Uh, he asked about the moral math. How many people does he have to save to get back to zero morally? Ugh. Um, if he can stop Thanos, <laughs> then Purple Man versus Purple Man. There we go. If we can stop Thanos or an event similar to what Thanos did or and or can do, then okay, then maybe, yeah. maybe. Well, if it, yeah, if his powers work on aliens, I mean, he could be super good hero. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, he definitely has the potential. Yeah. But, well, potential from a powers perspective. Yeah, definitely. Although, as you said, as we all know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Or makes you become a farmer. Because we can talk about, um, (laughs) talk about Endgame now. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Um, well, no, I mean, he, he gave up his absolute power. And then he became a farmer. That's true. He was tempted to... Uh, undo what he did. That's why he destroyed the stones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Jessica tells Kilgrave that saving someone does not unkill someone else. Uh, I feel like maybe this is the what my wife would call the sli- the Slytherin in me, but I wouldn't tell him that. I would let him keep saving people because until she gets him, he's at least trying to do good. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Um, use his power against him, of uh, uh, or for the for the greater good until you have a way to stop him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm more of an opportunist that way. I think I see an opportunity to do something net good, so I would take him up on it and not tell him, <laughs> even though yes, she's she's technically correct. That's that's true, although I kind of think that Jessica as a character is a lot more direct in her things. But also from her side, um, I think that as long as, you know, she's not telling him to do something, you know, bad or, you know, whatever, he's pretty much going to go along with it. So I think even if, you know, tomorrow she was like, hey, let's go stop this crime from happening. He'd be like, yeah, OK, I guess. Yeah, but if you save a bunch of people, then good happened. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's what Jessica was thinking about. Um, unless, is there anything else you want to talk about in this section? Because this conversation kind of continues in the next section. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, let's let's move on to that next section because I know exactly where you're going with this. All right, Jessica's walk takes her all the way to Trisha's apartment in Manhattan. 
Jessica tells Trish about the current situation. She asks Trish if she can use one of Kil if she should use Kilgrave's powers for good. So Jessica realizes that she would literally have to be Kilgrave's Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> and always and be there at all times to make sure he doesn't accidentally murder someone while trying to be a hero. Yeah, and I'm sure that's a stressful job too. Uh, you know, in addition to the uh, how crazy miserable she would be every second that she's around him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I let's watch the time. Let's let's uh, tell people they got like thirty seconds because I'm going to talk spoilers for this episode <laughs> or for this okay. season. All right. All right. Seconds now. So. Since we find out that he can't control Jessica, this is like the perfect situation, right? <laughs> to be, here. I mean, yeah, that's that's true. Yes, um, <laughs> I, I mean, does she know right now, or she just has a she theory? Has, she has no idea. I don't think they know until the end of the episode or end of the season. Okay, all right. I thought there was a, I thought there was a theory, but I couldn't remember. Anyway, thirty seconds are over now. Back from spoilers. No more spoilers. Okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah, well, she goes to Trish because she can't call Trish about this. <laughs> she has Simpson's phone. I'm confused why she went all the way over there and put the maid and the chef in danger. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess because she has his phone. Well, maybe she just doesn't want to waste the battery. She's only using it for the uh, recording conversation stuff. True. To incriminate. Also, also, she needs to get the drug. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Alright. Ready for the next section? Because this one's really short. <laughs> uh, I am, but first, uh, we need to do our ad break. So, yes, um, what was that? Yes, yes, we do. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah, it's a contractually binding agreement. We gotta do this. I know it's a little bit later in the episode, but it's okay. Uh, I'm sure everyone was uh, worried why we haven't had gotten to it yet, but uh, here you go. No worries. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. So everyone, imagine the last time that you were being hunted for your crimes against humanity. What was that like? Just, yeah, just, just think about it. Right. You don't have to to start saying it out loud. You might be in a situation where you don't want to say it out loud, but just just imagine it. Um, now I'm sure that you had to plan for every conceivable threat that might come your way. Maybe there was a bomb attached to your car. A bomb attached to your house. A bomb attached to your fanny pack or purse. People abducting you in the middle of the day. Or maybe even a bomb attached to a carrier pigeon delivering your morning tweets. That is a lot of planning ahead. I mean, bombs alone is just like, that. that's a, a crazy amount of work just to, to do that. So um, if you're new to that whole process, or even if it's been a while since the last time you had to do that that work, that planning, um, you're going to miss steps. You're going to miss a lot of steps. And that's why today we're here to talk to you about our partners at Self-Protection Planning, Inc. They offer a wide range of services from group classes to predictive planning to keep your skills sharp, all the way up to individual consulting. Tell them MCU Rewind sent you for a free 20-minute con yeah, consultation. Or don't tell them we sent you. It's the same offer if you say nothing. <laughs> why did you tell them that? Damn it. You know, to save time, honestly. Like, I would appreciate it, but eh. <laughs> I've got one important question about your ad, Al. 
Uh-oh. Please don't stand up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Did they call Twitter Twitter because of carrier pigeons? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I genuinely don't know. Um, I mean, there's an awful lot of sense. Yeah, well, well, their their logo is a bird, Mm -hmm. and it goes tweet, tweet. Uh, That's what they call the individual things, tweets, right? So um, there's something there. I, I... don't know where the name came from at all. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that as fact. It's <laughs> one of those random facts I'm gonna tell people from now on. All right, perfect. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when they ask me if that's true, I'll say yes, and I'll wink at them, and they won't be sure. <laughs> <laughs> but then they'll keep the lie going, and they'll tell everyone else. And eventually, some people won't even blink, and then or wink, and then they'll just say, "Oh yeah, that's obviously true." I mean, I was going to say someday someone will update to, uh, Wikipedia, and then it's fact. Well, yeah, at that point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, next section. Yes. During divorce negotiations, Wendy is trying to take 75% of Hogarth's assets. Hogarth gets a text from Jessica. Later, she texts Jessica to get dirt on Wendy. But she uh, doesn't know she's actually texting Kilgrave. <gasps> I have one note for the section. <laughs> Bitches, <Okay>. right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, have you ever seen the TV show... Um, I'm trying to remember. Uh, Divorce? No, I uh, It's Sarah Jessica Parker and someone else. I think it's an HBO show. Maybe Showtime. Definitely not my type of show. Okay. How many Same. aliens, dinosaurs, or superheroes are in it? <laughs> um i've never seen the show so i don't know two three um multiple (laughs) but it was described to me once uh by someone who has been through you know bad breakups i don't think they've been divorced but anyway um when they were talking about the show it was just this this couple who hates each other and they can't wait to actually be divorced and uh the the scene they described was basically they were yelling at each other and then they end up just walking away. They're, they're still living in the same house. So they're walking away at the uh, down the hallway and not even looking at each other. And at the same time, they both just flip each other off. And um, and that's kind of where I'm imagining that this is basically going, except a little bit more civil because Jerry knows she can't go full crazy because, you know, Wendy has the blackmail. True. <laughs> yeah. Hey, do we ever see what exactly, like, did Jessica, the text she sent, was that the Kilgrave conversation from breakfast? I think so. Uh, wait, no. The the one that she sent from Simpsons phone? No, from, she, no, okay, no, then it must have been because he already took the phone. Yeah. Because, oh yeah, yeah, it was from Simpsons phone. Because Jessica does text Hogarth something. Because remember, um, during the divorce proceedings, Jerry's girlfriend comes in, who I should know her name, but I don't. Jerry's girlfriend comes in and um, says she got a text from Jessica Jones. So, does that we mean don't know that Kilgrave was texting Jerry? It might have been from Simpsons phone. Oh, okay. Alright, that makes sense then. Okay. Also, one last thing. A pet peeve I have with cell phones on um, TV shows and movies. Are we to uh, 
believe that this was the first text she has ever received or sent from Jerry's phone. Because it seems like the message was the first message ever from that phone number. But that one is from that phone number, right? Because that one's from Simpson's phone. No, 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 no. Um, when I'm sorry, I'm I'm jumping around. Oh, okay. uh, when Kilgrave looks at the phone, and Hogarth texts her that she needs to do it on Wendy now, and then he, oh. when he re- responds, "Bitch is right." It's like at the top, like that message from Jerry is the first text message she's ever received from Jerry Hogarth. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, and they do that a lot, which bugs me because you know people have history. We should yeah. see like the last three or four texts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, just a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Are you ready to um, uh, go into the last, uh, the last section? Yeah. This is where the second half of my notes are, pretty much. But yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jessica returns to the house with dinner. She tells Kilgrave that she will help him be a hero. This is a ruse to uh, uh, capture Kilgrave with Sunetophil. As they are escaping, Simpson tries to get Kilgrave, but Jessica jumps away. Another one of his failsafes activates as the rude neighbor brings back uh, uh, Simpson's bomb and detonates it. The end. Oof. <laughs> All right. Not not a good end for some of those characters, but okay. Uh, so, oh, okay. Um, oh, you know, I don't even know where to start. Um, but I'm going to go with, all right. So Jessica is doing her, her thinking and she was probably planning the entire time, right. Walking back from Trisha's place, um, thinking about how to go about doing this. And, um, I mean, it worked, right. She went directly into the character that she needed to be to convince everyone that, yeah, you let's knock everyone out and all of that. Um, and she even has that lie that she tells Kilgrave that you can't uh, ingest sufentanil, which I guess you can. Um, I kind of want to look that up now, but I'm curious. I think she poisoned the maid in the shelf's food with something else. Oh, all right, fine. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Because she, she eats Kilgrave's food because he's paranoid anyway. Rightfully so. Yeah, that's right. Okay. I did miss that part. All right. Um, yeah, I'm assuming there are some, there are medications that some need to be ingested and some need to put right in the bloodstream. So that would make sense. Uh-huh. Probably a lot less effective if it's not in the bloodstream or I have no idea how that works, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but she jumped right into action mode and, um, it was cool also because, uh, Kilgrave was like, really believing her right i mean even he fell he was kind of falling into uh, stockholm syndrome a little bit right he's trusting mm-hmm. her a lot more after two days all right well also he has no way to judge how genuine people are since they always in the past have done what he wants and maybe people change their minds this quickly i never know <laughs> that's true it's been some number of decades yeah yeah um three actually because um, we see in that video from earlier that it was taken on Halloween in 1985. And this is 2015. Oh, God. He got his powers on a Halloween night? Yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> uh, 
a little surprise that this whole season wasn't didn't have a little bit more of a spooky vibe to it with ghosts or know. anything. But okay, it's pretty creepy. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it is. It definitely is. But okay, all right. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go back to the beginning of the section with the maid and the chef, like keeping an eye out for Jessica. Do you think uh, Kilgrave's uh, wording to them was "Don't blink"? <laughs> um. I mean, yeah. yeah, that has to be it, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh God, I think I, I bet that was part of the episode, but they cut it out because it was too obvious a reference to Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, but that would have been a great reference. Uh, then again, I mean, I know some people who just can't look at David Tennant the same after seeing him play this role, so. <laughs> It would have yeah, just been did, a little bit did, funnier to to ruin that character. It did take me a while. Actually, after we cover this season, I might have to go back to the 10th Doctor. <laughs> um, Something that I saw on Facebook, you know on Facebook they always have, well, you don't go on Facebook anymore, but, um, and rightfully so, no one should be on Facebook. So yeah, I was on Facebook, yeah. and they have those things like, you know what makes, that make you feel old, those like memes. Oh, yeah, I've seen those. Ago. Um, David Tennant stopped being the doctor in 10 years ago. Huh. 2009, the New Year's Day special. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. That's, that doesn't seem that long ago. It's definitely well, it, that long ago. It, it's one of those things with, like, TV, because we're able to rewatch them, right? Like, the last time I saw him play the doctor was in a rerun around New Year's this past year. So, well, I guess... 10 years after he stopped playing the, the character because it was just on TV. Um, uh, I listened to uh, Conan O'Brien's podcast, the Conan O'Brien needs a friend. And uh, a while ago they brought up that, you know, he was telling the story of like people come up to him and they're like, they'll say, Oh man, I'm so sorry about what happened with NBC when you had the tonight show and all this stuff. And, and it's been 10 years. Like he's moved on. Like he oh, he's yeah. been doing the TV show on TBS for like that amount of time and that all that. Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, and that was kind of a big thing. But you know, we've all gone on and done things. Like, yeah, I always forget that. Mm-hmm. Well, more personal to me is I've been a fan of Doctor Who for ten years because the first time I ever watched Doctor Who was during the marathon leading up to Tenant's regeneration. That was the first I watched like eight episodes in a row. And because they were doing the whole tenant marathon. Oh, all right. <laughs> uh, I I got to look up when I started. I think I'm, I don't know, about a year later, probably only on year nine. The first episode I ever saw was the first one with Matt Smith as the doctor. Yeah, yeah that's a good episode. It's a good way. To, that's a good entryway episode. Yeah, it definitely got me. And then I went back and watched all the other new ones and then then went forward but yeah anyway i think we've uh fallen off uh jessica <laughs> jones <laughs> yeah yeah just a bit just a is there bit. anything Although, else you want to bring up? uh no uh actually you know i i do have two other things i just wanted to mention um so when jessica was uh trying to escape with kilgrave's body uh simpson shows up and he shoots one of the bodyguards did he kill the bodyguard or was I that like a so. trick Okay, yeah, that's that's what I thought too, but because unless he has an icer, which we know he doesn't have, mm-hmm. 
or if he can set his gun to stun, because he's going to use the same gun to kill Kilgrave. <laughs> That's a good point. Okay, yeah. Probably doesn't have a stun setting. Okay. Um, and then the other thing with the old lady showing up with the bomb, too, the, the neighbor. Um, I, I mean, he he must have to tell her twice a day to, you know, hey, get ready for, for this. Or I'm really curious what his script to her was like. Like, hey, watch out if you see someone attacking show up with the bomb. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um. Or every person who comes down that um, road, he asks, she asks, are you Simpson? Whatever did she say? Is Officer Simpson or something like that? And if they say, if they say no, she just walks away again. <laughs> Maybe. I, I don't remember that. She, she asked him. Maybe she, I think she, she either asked him or said this delivery for Officer Simpson or something, something about that. Okay. How did he know the name? How did he know Simpson? Uh, he controlled Simpson. Yeah, no, but I guess, okay. So I guess he does remember him then. I, I forget that some people can actually remember uh, people they've met before, along with their name. Well, yeah, because because Simpson was supposed to kill himself, so he didn't worry about forget me. That's true. Yeah, and uh, he saw Simpson uh, shoot him with Phil, um the day he was knocked out, so he knows Simpson's in on it. That's right. He had that whole section where he was trying to remember, like, oh, did, did, he looks familiar. Why do I know him? Hmm. Oh, that's right. And then he remembers. Okay. So now he definitely remembers Simpson. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one last thing I remembered. Um, how far can Jessica freaking jump? It looks to that guy like she flew away, which she knows she doesn't do. I I'm imagining Hulk level here. Like you just Hulk. jump. Uh, maybe maybe like half Hulk level. Um, how about Hulk you know, like Ang Lee's Hulk? <laughs> you ever see that where he jumps? I super do that far. Yeah, he's jumping like states at a time in that one yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wasn't thinking that, but I was thinking like, you know, a city block or two at a time. That's a movie we should cover for a holiday. We should. I've never seen it. Really? All the way through it in one going. I've never seen it. Like, I've probably seen the entire movie overall in multiple sittings, but never in one go. Yeah, I've, I have it on DVD like I have most movies. But I probably haven't watched it in, since before the 2008 Incredible Hulk came out. So Okay. It's been well over a decade. Well, we'll keep that in mind. <laughs> All right. All right. Are you ready to rank the episode and wrap up? Yes. Um, I will give this. Uh, oh, wait. Sorry. Tony, what are we rating? No, go, go ahead. What, oh. what are you giving it? I don't have to think Why? of anything. <laughs> I was just going <laughs> to give it a number. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, don't worry, I didn't have anything in mind. Uh, how many um, oh, improvised bombs would you give this? <laughs> um, I was going to give it a three. Three? I would give this a, a, a four and a half. I really like this episode. I like, I have some of my favorite things in it, and it actually gets the story moving forward. Uh, um, you know, big problem with these Netflix shows is it, spill, it spins its wheels a lot. But now we're actually getting to the part where it should have been if they actually succeeded on their mission. That's true. You're right. So, okay. All right. 
I think you convinced me to give it a 3.25. Just move move it up a little. Yeah. But all right. <laughs> all right. Ready to, to close this out? We're all done, Tony. No last yes, minute I... items. All right. Cool. All right, everyone. Uh, this has been the Marvel Cinematic Rewind for Season 1, Episode 8 of Jessica Jones, a.k.a. What Would Jessica Do? Uh, join us next week where we will talk about Episode 9. What will Jeremiah dance? Sinbin. <laughs> Uh, and uh, until next time please remember to follow us on Twitter we are at MCU underscore rewind uh, send us tweets or messages based off of things we asked you about in this episode because we uh, seem to go through phases where we'll ask a bunch of questions so you know feel free to let us know we'll talk to you you know that kind of thing we'll respond all that stuff um, and then also um, we greatly greatly appreciate it if you give us any kind of rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever your favorite podcasting app is um, we're always uh, looking for any kind of uh, review, just like every podcast. Until next time, this is the Marvel Cinematic Rewind signing off. Have a marvelous day. Mm-hmm.